Okay, great. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. This is now uh, we're going to start with our with our message. We're going to have our message. We're going to dismiss the children to their classrooms along with the Sunday school teachers. Sunday school teachers, thank you very much for your service and your willingness to continue to be uh, of service to the Lord in this ministry. And if you do have a cell phone, which I believe everybody does, please make sure that they are turned off or in silent mode. Um, or when you hear it ring. <laughs> All right, I'm glad everybody's here now. Um, maybe some of some people are still watching the game, maybe, or maybe enjoying the sun, something, because I know that uh, according to the government. There's nothing to fear anymore to come to church, right? Because <laughs> the mask mandate is gone. <laughs> they don't know that in FICF, the mask mandate has been gone for two years. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> All right, we'll have that conversation. Okay, this is our message tonight. This is the second week of our God's Love series. Uh, I entitled our message, True Love is God's Love. Now, uh, let me open up in a word of prayer as I have various passages for, for this message. So please join me. Father, we thank you for um, your sovereign hand being upon us today and making things, all, making all things possible in order for us to make it here in this building and uh, providing for us, Lord God, to have a building uh, with the church family that you've chosen for us. Uh, and Lord, we thank you that you have given us still the privilege to worship you freely without fearing for our lives or imprisonment. Thank you, Father, for the singers and the instrumentalists that prepared our hearts with the songs that we sang tonight. And we thank you for all the people in the background. Um, please bless them for their faithfulness and their willingness to be used uh, by you and for you, for your people. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Please do not let our inadequacies, Lord God, hinder you from speaking to us and revealing to us the message that you have for each and every one of us tonight. We ask all these things in your son's sweet and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, true love. True love is God's love. Uh, tomorrow, the entire world uh, will be celebrating Valentine's Day. Right? So husbands, hopefully you're listening. If you forgot, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Now people with a, a partner, a spouse, a fiancé, boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, they will be exchanging sweet nothings. Right? And, uh, and probably be exchanging gifts maybe and going out on a date with the expensive menu that the restaurants take uh, advantage of. They will make each other feel they love each other and that they are loved and so on and so forth, right? And then without them, they will tell them, uh, without you, life is not worth living, right? That's true for me. I don't know about the other guys. <laughs> well, the meaning of Valentine's is uh, really, it's, I think it's by the corporation's way to make us spend money on the February, um, where the meaning of Valentine's is to feel loved, Many people are reminded tomorrow, too, of their loneliness. 
Now, this is a serious thing. Loneliness is a serious matter. And God, with his infinite wisdom, knew this ahead of time. And he addressed it many years before any of us felt lonely. Mind you, loneliness or the feeling of, um, or the feeling of it doesn't only apply to people who are not married or involved in a love relationship or doesn't have a family. It's uh, many who are married or in a relationship feel alone, feel lonely. Um, let's see. So tonight we're going to be comparing what the world says and what the Bible says. We're going to be doing that. We're going to go back and forth between the secular and what the Bible says about it. Now, what does the world say about loneliness? Let me just re read this real fast. Loneliness and social isolation in older adults are serious public health risk affecting a significant number of people in the United States and putting them at a risk for dementia and other serious medical conditions. Um, the, the latter part there, loneliness is the feeling of being alone regardless of the amount of social contact. Social isolation is a lack of social connections. Social isolation can lead to loneliness in some people while others can feel lonely without being socially isolated. Right? I mean, you could be a part of a church but still feel isolated and alone. You can be a big part of you can be a part of a big family but still feel alone. You can be married and feel alone. Now, here's the health risk of loneliness. It's uh, uh, this is from the CDC, and we know that they know everything, right? So um, it says here, uh, uh, although it's hard to measure social isolation, loneliness precisely, there is a strong evidence that many adults aged 50 and older are socially isolated or lonely in ways that put their health at risk. Uh, social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes, a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Social isolation was, iso uh, was associated with about a 50% increased, ri increased risk of dementia. Now, poor social relationships Characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with 29% risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. Loneliness among heart failure patients was associated, associated with nearly four times increase of risk, uh, risk of death, 68% risk of hospital, hospitalization, and 58% increased risk of emergency department visits and not to mention that this was imposed to us when they quarantined us oh where did that come from um so what so what does the world say about loneliness that your doctor can assess your risk for loneliness and social isolation and get you connected to a community for help so medically speaking they're saying that loneliness is not good for anybody, right? Medically speaking, that's what they're saying, especially for the older folks, that there is a great need for being connected with people socially, interacting with people in the community. But what has happened in the last three years? <laughs> but that's not my message. Um, what did God say? What, has, what does the Bible have to say about this? In Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then in Acts 2.42, it reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
In Hebrews 10.25, it reads, Let us not neglect meeting together, as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what do we, what's our conclusion here? Now, if the people in the CDC or the doctors would have been reading the Bible, they would have saved themselves some time and money, right? Because it's been written down in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right? He could have saved them some time. God knew that it wasn't good for us. That's why they say, no man is an island, correct? We will tackle uh, that more, um, uh, but the first one is what we're gonna first our first point that we're gonna divulge in right marriage, um, but I suggest and and then we're gonna tackle Acts two and then Hebrews ten. So the solution that the uh, the Bible had for loneliness is marriage, correct? And you know the 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 somehow somehow uh, the world kind of tells us that too, right? That's why there's Valentine's Day. They encourage you to. To connect with somebody, to go on a date and meet people. They have all the websites now, right? It's easier to meet people now, supposedly. But they're saying, get married, get into a relationship. Uh, maybe the world's not saying get married because divorce rates are high, right? But, but here, the, what the world says, when, you part, when your partner becomes more like a roommate, this is what the world is saying when... If you think that getting married is a solution so that you won't be lonely. The world says they know that being married doesn't solve it really. It doesn't really solve it. This is from Six Devastating Causes of Loneliness in Marriage and Ways to Deal with It. Let me read it real fast. When your partner becomes more like a roommate rather than your special someone to share your joys and sorrows with, you can feel lonely and upset. There are several causes of loneliness in marriages, from miscommunication to other complexities. Such woes can create a gap between you and your partner. If you are unable to communicate with your partner, the spark of your relationship fizzles out. <laughs> Even though they are supposed to be your lifetime companion, such problems may make them the reason behind your loneliness. So, is... Because we saw it in Genesis, right? God created Eve for Adam. So people tend to think, okay, in order for me to get rid of my loneliness, I need to get married. But then the world says that not really, you know, getting married doesn't solve your loneliness. And, and by the numbers, marriage and divorce are both common experiences for adults, although both can be challenging. About 90% of people in Western cultures marry by, the, by age 50. In the United States, about 50% of married couples divorce. The sixth highest divorce rate in the world. So we're here in the United States. Right? You're going to take a ticket to go to Hawaii and then they'll tell you you have a 50% chance to make it there. Are you still going to buy it? <laughs> Some of you did. <laughs> Most of us did, right? Yeah, I'll buy it. Positive thinking. Yeah, 50% of marriages ends of divorce subsequent marriages have an even higher divorce the second one 60 percent if you think oh you know what let me just end this bad marriage right now and then let me get married because i'll know better you have 10 percent more of chances to get divorced again and then let's say you say you know i know it now talaga i got it now third time 73 percent 
of all third marriages end in divorce. I know, this is supposed to be a good marriage because it's about love. No, not really. Loneliness is a serious thing. And marriage really doesn't necessarily mean it's the solution for your loneliness. That's what I'm trying to point out. The states with higher divorce rates, look at number three. Nevada. Not very encouraging, I told you. <laughs> Nevada, 10.2. Now, Arkansas has the highest divorce rate of any state. 10.7 divorces per 1,000. Arkansas has one of the highest average marriage age of any state at 24.8 years for women and 26.3 years for men. Arkansas's divorce rate by age 30 is 19.5%, the highest in the U.S. The high divorce rate in Nevada is that people get married hastily, right? We were in a hurry here. We, we want it like fast food. We do that right through marriages here, right? Hastily in Las Vegas without thinking about the long-term commitment of marriage. Additionally, a divorce in Nevada can be finalized as quickly as 10 days. That's why. That's why, you know, our, the numbers are skewed actually because people from other states, they do come here so that they can, if they change their mind, they'll get divorced here. Okay? So, who wants to get married again? <laughs> Look at Nevada. <laughs> Uh, what, this is what, what did God say though? What did God say? This is what God said. Proverbs 18.22 He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Men say, Amen. Amen, yes. This is true. But you know what? So it says here, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Can we also say, he who f She who finds a husband finds favor from the Lord? All right. Good, good. I like it. We have a very good chance in this church. What did God say again? So, but with, those, with that verse, and then you see the other verses. A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. And then verse 20, chapter 21, verse 9, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a white house. And then, and then 21, 19, better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. So is, is God contradicting himself? Because he said, he who finds a wife finds favor. Is he, is he contradicting himself? Now, marriage is his creation. But yet in his word, it tells us the positive and the negative of it. Okay? There's positives, there's pros and cons. Is marriage the solution to loneliness or not? Answer, answer is yes and no. Yes and no. Now I would request that if you want another or more insight of marriage, please refer to the marriage and the series that we had in Ephesians. There was a mini series there of marriages that uh, would give you more insight. But for tonight, I just want to give you a few things. God invented marriage and it is a great thing for us. Marriage was invented by God and it will be enjoyed by us if we do it according to His will. To give and to get love is in marriage. Both the physical and emotional part as He intended for us to have an experience. There is no other way than being married with the blessing of God. Being lonely is one thing. Now being married is quite another Marriage is a fulfilling is fulfilling as it is challenging. 
Now, the challenge behind being married is you're uniting two sinful people to become one. I use the word sinful because it's true. We might be Christians, we have accepted Christ, but we are very much still imperfect. Correct? And we're becoming one. Two different upbringing, two different expectations. Bad and good habits being ingrained for many years. Prideful. Prideful. From Luzon, from Visayas, from Mindanao. You put it together, kaboom! It's explosive. Like the Philippines, right? Now with humility and willingness to surrender to God's will and make their ultimate love, can only through God's will, and only through people that are willing to surrender to God's will and be humble enough to surrender to God's will on how they should be married and how they should be treating each other in their marriage, can marriage be truly satisfying and successful. God must be the center of each and every marriage or, or it will fail. Or it will fail. Now lonely people or people that are feeling lonely because you're not married, you have to ask yourself, do you, does God want you to get married? You have to ask yourself, who does God want you to marry? Because if you are designed, if, God, if it is God's will that you are to be married, He has the best person for you out there. <laughs> I heard the women, praise God. Women, I have a gift for you for Valentine's. This is a, a, a perfect husband. Single men, if you want to be a perfect husband please pay attention to this one to work on awesome i love working all day and then coming home and working all night as well nothing i'd rather do every single night than work on some more work i love when you tell me how to drive it makes me feel super safe plus i've been in zero accidents and you've been in four just this year so you're totally qualified to tell me how to drive. Hi, honey. Yes, so glad you called. I actually was just thinking about how much work I have to get done today, and I could totally use a call from my wife. No, I love giving you a back rub while you cry. I'm actually really glad that you've rejected all six of my solutions I proposed. The best option is just to keep crying about it. You're doing a great job with directions. Keep forgetting to tell me where to turn and which exit to take. <laughs> it's super helpful. Hey honey, I'm just looking at the bank statements. I love that you are spending $9 on a drink at Starbucks every day. There's no way you can make the same coffee for a fraction of the price here at home. <laughs> it's a perfect husband. You don't get an argument. Right? Now is that we all know that's that's a joke, right? That's it, it's challenging, right? But in Deuteronomy 5, 8 to 9, it reads, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in the heavens above, on the earth below, or in the waters beneath. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Some of us, the reason why our marriages fail, because our marriages have become an idol. Our spouse, without, without us knowing, has become an idol. And the marriage to work has become an idol. 
I will make sure my marriage will not fail by hook or by crook. I will not get divorced. That has become the idol. Now God has told us that He is a jealous God. That there's, we should not be worshipping anything above it. So marriages become an idol and then it fails. Why? Because us Christians, us Christians, we are to love God with our entire being, first and foremost, than our spouse. We are to love our Lord before our spouse and then our children. Now, how does love for someone an idol? Um, let me, because it's Valentine's, I'm into like, um, you're, like you, love songs, right? So let me share with you some, some uh, lines here. Um, I'm trying to hit all generations in our church. We have, you know, young ones and younger ones and young youngs, right? Um, here's uh, Die Without You by P.M. Don. Remember this? The, the, the script, the, the lyrics is, Oh, I apologize for all the things I've done. But now I'm underwater and I'm drowning. It is, is it my turn to be the one to cry? Isn't it amazing how some things completely turn around? So take every little piece of my heart yeah, take every little piece of my soul. Take every little bitty piece of my mind. Because if you're gone, if you're gone inside, I'd die without you. That's not an idol. How about, how deep is your love by Bee Gees? Remember this? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn because we're living in the world of fools, breaking us down when they all should let us be. We belong to you and me. I believe in you. You know the door to my very soul. You're the light in my deepest, darkest hour. You're my Savior when I fall. And you may not think I care for you when you know down inside that I really do and it's me you need to show. Some of you are singing now. How about, the, and then there's, um, I, I don't know, how, is it Yaborni by Halsey? I get undertones of sadness when I think about the moments that I never got to spend with you. <laughs> I can't decide if I love you more in the morning or love you more at night. I'll never know if there's danger in confession or it's memory that presses like a blade against my throat. Another word, and I could choke. But what's worse, telling you my feelings or to die without revealing? That you crawled inside my head and set a fire there instead, letting all my insecurity devour me with certainty that love is just a currency. So take my pockets, take me whole, take my life and take my soul. You see it? Everybody's taking their soul and Savior and all that stuff. Wrap me in a wedding ring. You know, I swear I'd give you anything. Look, look at Exodus 34, 14. Do not worship any other God for the Lord. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. So can love be an idol? The love songs. Just listen to the love songs. Just don't listen to the melody. Melodies are nice. It's nice to sing it. But then you know what? You're worshiping. You're worshiping them. And then you're, we're not being careful because our God, our holy God is jealous. You see this? Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God's description of Himself as jealous is only given in the context of idolatry. Did I miss everybody there? 
He's jealous in the context of idolatry. If you are worshiping something else and someone else, then the context of God's holy jealousy comes alive. In Exodus 34, God made a covenant with his people. The preferred meaning of an Old Testament covenant is a bond. A covenant refers to two or more parties bound together. Breaking the bond also breaks the covenant. A covenant is similar to a legal contract today. In a contract, the parties are named and their duties are explained. This passage in Exodus 34:14 explains that God is a jealous God and his name is jealous for all for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. God promised to be faithful to his covenant and he expected them to be faithful and to avoid making covenants with the Canaanites. Now, do you think we're exempted from that? Because we don't, we're no longer in the Old Testament or the New Testament? No. If we are His people, He's also wanting our full and complete loyalty and love. That there should not be anyone or anything that we love above Him. May it be your children, may it be your career, may it be your spouse. This doesn't matter. God is a jealous God. Forty years after giving the Ten Commandments, God renewed this covenant with the people of Israel. They were about to enter the Promised Land and their leader, Moses, warned them to avoid idols of any kind. Deuteronomy 4, 23-34 uh, reminds them. Now I need to explain to you why God's jealousy re relates to marriage as being the answer. Um, it, it, in 2 Corinthians 11, 2-3, For I am jealous for you, this is Paul speaking, with the jealousy of God himself. I promise you a, as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now why is it wrong to love anyone or anything more than we love God? Because it's idolatry. And since God loves us so much, He is passionate for us, which gives birth to His holy jealousy. Now, we're talking about God's love. Why am I talking about His jealousy? Because you will appreciate His love when you see His jealousy. And He's so jealous for you. And you will appreciate His jealousy when you understand his, about His pure love. And that you cannot get the real love, the true love, that only you can get through God if you don't accept the fact that you cannot give that true love and you can never receive that true love from anybody else in this world. We have certain expectations that will never be met. It will never be met. Because we have, sometimes our expectations from our spouse is so unrealistic. And that we choke them from that. We choke them. We crush them with our expectations. Because they will never meet it. Although they want to meet it. They want to they make it there. But because it's so high, we suffocate them with it. Now, to understand God's love, we have to understand that it was His choice to love us to begin with. Now, Deuteronomy 7, to, uh, chapter 7, verse 7 to 8 reads, this is from the Living Bible version. It reads, He didn't choose you and pour out His love upon you because you are a larger nation than any other. 
for you were the smallest of all. It was just because he loves you and because he kept his promise to your ancestors. That is why he brought you out of slavery in Egypt with such amazing power and mighty miracles. And then again in Jeremiah 31.3, God reminds his people, For long ago the Lord has said to Israel, I have loved you, O my people, with an everlasting love. With loving kindness I have drawn you to me. Imagine this. God loves us for who we are. Isn't that sometimes the, the cry? Isn't that like the romantic um, uh, movies ingredient that somebody will pretend that they are someone else like richer or more popular so that the girl that they like will finally be attracted to them and then hopefully they will fall in love with them? They will have to pretend and then, and, then, and then at the end of the movie, the, the, the writer will, say, will show that the, the real love is, is somebody that really loves you, is somebody who really accepts you for who you are. You're not, it's not the quarterback you, it's the nerd you. Now, with God, with our relationship with the Lord, He loved us while we are imperfect. He loved us while we were sinners, His enemies. And then He's jealous for us. Do you understand that? Again, we have, to, we have to look at ourselves and compare ourselves to Jesus Christ Himself. In order for us to understand our, the, the, the capacity of God to love somebody like us. Because if we compare ourselves to somebody that's, that we know is, is, is least, they're lesser than us. Because that's, that's where we compare ourselves to. It's to people that we know that are, 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 are lesser if we are always consistent in coming to church, we compare ourselves to the people that are not always coming to church. If we want to feel beautiful, we compare ourselves to the ugly ones. Right? If we want to feel, you know, it, it's that. We never compare ourselves to the higher ones that we think are higher than us. So, but the whole thing is we need to look in the mirror and compare ourselves to who Christ is. And then you will feel your inadequacy. You will see your inadequacy. And at the same, once you see that, you will have to understand, why did God choose me? You have to ask yourself, why me? And God, in His Word, constantly tells us that. You did not choose me. I chose you. That's also said in John 16. Now God passionately loves His people because He chose them. He chose us, so he does. Does God make a mistake? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. And does he stand on his decisions? Yes, he does. It was not because you were more in number. He chose Israel, the least of all nations. God's passion for his people is a result of his love. In the Ten Commandments, God con contrasts his passionate love and zeal for his people. To idolatry as evidence of their hate. The Israelites were very idolatrous. They learned all the, 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 the idols and the religion of Egypt. And they adapted that. So God came up with, hey, you are my people. I have chosen you. Now here are the commandments. And the first one is, you shall not bow down to any other gods but me. Now us people who are saved by grace... Are we excused to have an idol in the form of our spouse? No, we're not. 
Now, human jealousy is often tainted by sin because human jealousy is out of selfishness and insecurity. And it's very destructive. In Proverbs 6.34, human jealousy is actually envy. In Proverbs 6.34, a father is warning his son to avoid having sex with a married woman because it would make her husband enraged. And it reads, For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. Now, because God is without sin, God's jealousy in response to idolatry is righteous and holy. Idolatry, folks, is a cancer in our relationship with God. God's desire to remove the sin of idolatry is for our own good. I hope you heard me. God's desire to remove the sin of idolatry is for our own good. Now, if you think about the idolatry for marriages, God is reminding us, don't love your spouse more than you love me. Believe me, this is for your own good. Because your husband, because your wife, because your children, they will disappoint you. Everybody leaves. People move out. People die. People change jobs. People move states. Right? And then where do you go? Where do you go when you become lonely? And who do you, who do you go to? Who do you run to? God. God is the one ultimately waiting and wanting and always being there. He always tells us, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When surgeons remove cancer, they cause short-term pain by cutting into the cancerous flesh to remove that which is destroying the body for a long-term benefit. God is jealous for His relationship with His people because He passionately loves them and does not want them to be destroyed by idolatry. Amen? Now, think about loneliness, and think about marriage being an idol, and now we're going to go here, when God's love is what we need. In 1 John 4, 9-11, it reads, God showed how much He loved us by sending His only Son into, his wicked world, into this wicked world to bring us eternal life through His death. In this act, we see what real love is. It is not our love for God, but His love for us. When He sent, when he sent His Son to satisfy God's anger against our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us as much as that, we surely ought to love each other too. Now this is the amazing truth. That God's love, again, this is the same point that I had last week. God's love is God Himself. God's proof of love is Himself sending His Son to die in the most horrible and horrific way on the cross. That during that time, they didn't even have a word for it. The word came from it. Excruciating pain. That is His love for us. Can you imagine? Who has done that for you? And then if somebody does that for you, whenever somebody does some sacrificial thing for you, you would never forget. And you keep telling people. And you fall in love with that friend, with, that, with your child, with your parent, because they did something so sacrificial that you cannot imagine. And when you share it with people, you're like crying or trying to hold it back, right? You know, my mom, she did this for me, right? We're like, 
We cry. We hold it back because it's, it's, we know it grips our heart because it's so powerful. No, honestly, right? I'm making fun of it a little bit just to lighten things up, but it's true. But with, with God, we have to understand, why did He go to the cross? Because He loves us. He had to pay for our sins against Him. So, living for Him is such a hard thing? No, because when somebody does something sacrificial for us, we're so good in remembering it and telling people about it, and then we return the favor, right? We always pick up their calls because we know, oh man, you know, they helped me. I, will, I should never miss a call or a text from this person. But then if it's a person that always borrows money from us, you're like, why does he even have my number? Block this. But if it's somebody that we borrowed money from and then lent us, or like, oh my gosh, hey, what's up? How you doing? Like, we're excited to pick it up because there's a benefit. We know they helped us before. How about with God? How come when God calls us, we, we, we put Him on hold? You know, there's an artificial phone that you do and you drop His call. I'm calling you to be the youth leader. Drop. I'm calling you to play in the music. Drop that call. I'm calling you to do this. You know, you're dropping calls. You're dropping God's call. But then when you say, did God do everything for you? Yes, He did. He did so much for me. But He's calling you. Spend some time with me. Drop. You know, we, we have to understand that God's love for us was Jesus Himself. And that wasn't cheap. It was a painful, an expensive one. It was painful. Now, that's the introduction of our marriage, uh, message today. <laughs> no. No, there, there is, to, to cure loneliness, again, we, we just tackled that marriage in itself is not the solution to loneliness, right? Not really. Although it is God's gift. The second point is to be with God's people. We saw it in Acts 2.42 and Hebrews 10.25. It reads there, as after Jesus ascended into heaven, then the Holy Spirit descended um, to the apostles. And then Peter preached, and he was bolder than ever, he ever was. And people were saved and added to the church. And then you look at verse 42 afterwards. What did the people of God do to cure their loneliness of, of Jesus himself? They gathered, Right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They loved doing Bible studies and hearing messages. And they loved the fellowship of other believers. People with the same mind. People who were also missing Jesus. People who were also saved by Jesus. And they loved it. And I think the Israelites are like, I think Filipinos are part Israelites or Jews because they love eating like us. Right? They, they were breaking bread. And then, and then the writer of Hebrews reminds us. Why would he remind us this? Because it's right there. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit. Right? No, Christianity is not legalism. Right? It should not be. Because Christianity is our people that are saved by grace, not by works. Right? But coming to church and worshiping God who did everything and does everything and continues to give everything to the Christians, 
meeting together and celebrating and worshiping Him should not be a burden. But some have made a habit of it. Why? Because they don't want to catch COVID. And that's fine. You know, health-wise, sure. We can give you that pass. Sure. I, I have a hard time accepting it, but I, 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 I try to really not judge it. But for the ones that have made it as a habit, ah, you know, I'll go to church every other Sunday. Right? So let Pastor Joe cannot say so much. Because I know he gives me that look every now and then. If I, if I miss three Sundays, he says, you want the visitor's packet? <laughs> no, sometimes we just do enough. We do enough for God. We, just, we, just, we think we just do enough, but we don't do a lot for Him. Is it really a lot for Him to attend church? I know of people who love God and they say, I wanted to be here. I know I'm not feeling well, but I took some medicine and I just wanted to be here, Pastor. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stay away from everybody. That's why I'm wearing my mask because I don't want anybody to catch what I have. But I wanted to be here. I hope it's okay. Some people, because they really can't make it because they're tired, they want to make sure that the Facebook Live is going to be on for them. Right? And some people, they, they, they end their vacation on a Sunday so that they can be here with us on a Sunday. But some people, they just have, they just have a hard time. Their question is, when's the anniversary? <laughs> the third Sunday of October or the fourth? You know? Or when's family day? <laughs> or when's... You know, it's Easter. I'll be there on Easter. It's hard. It's hard to really make sense of it for me. That if you really love God, and then you know the scriptures, you have to not see coming to church and worshiping Him and doing things for Him as a burden. So now, this is, this is the thing. If you love me, right? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Correct? Okay. So, when you're not obeying His commandments, there's a love issue you have what we call right when, when, when people are uh, fighting when husband and wives are fighting there's an LQ <laughs> love quarrel right there's a there's a trouble at the house so you know what Christians you have to check your relationship with God is there an LQ going on between you and him is there a problem there because you know if you, this is the Greek words for the week. Um, the, the, the word devoted, when they devoted themselves to the Lord or to the, the disciples' teaching, uh, it's prokastereo. It's to adhere to one, to be ad, his adherent, to be devoted or constant to one, to be focused, to be steadfastly attentive unto, to give unremitting care to a thing, to continue all the time in a place. They're not leaving. They're not, they're not moving. They're paying close attention to persevere and to not faint. To show oneself courageous for. To be in a constant readiness for one. To wait on constantly. That's what they did. That's what the, the, the apostles were, were doing. The disciples were doing. They were clo paying close attention to the teachings. They were not moving. They were always there. Some of us Right? We, we barely make it to church. And then when we're at church, we like to rest at church. 
No, I know. Sometimes we're tired. I get it. No, no. Other than, other than the physical tiredness, it's, it's the lack of focus more than anything. It's the lack of focus. When we're here and we're looking at our Instagram, we're looking at the score on who won the Super Bowl. Because what I'm saying is boring. Like, oh gosh, what's the score, man? This is going back to sanctification again. Oh, who liked my post at Facebook today? You know, when there's no focus, it's different. The devotion, to, the devotion to God is different. You have to be procastereo to the Lord. You have to be constantly waiting, constantly be in one place, watching Him, paying close attention to Him. And then the fellowship is koinonia, right? Koinonia. Uh, I think it's there. Koinonia. It's fellowship. It's association. It's community. It's communion. And it's joint participation. Now, church, you are just not to take a chair, although it's good that you're here paying attention to the message, but you're also to get involved. You're also to get involved in the work that is part of this church, whether it's in music, whether it's in outside work, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's in the cleaning or the prepping, or some other things. You have to be involved. Fellowship in a church means you're actively participating. Amen? That's what God's love is. God's love is because God is love. It's easier to read, really. And then it's loosely, it has been loosely said by the world, right? When, when, you, when they talk about love, when they say, when the song says, all we need is love, right? They, they say that. They all, all, they, all they need is love, really? When, when, uh, when an enemy is coming, when, when a thief is coming at your door and you see them breaking slowly through your door, are you going to say, I love you. I love you. Don't rob me. I love you. Is that going to stop the evil from coming in? No. You know, God is love. You know why? Because there was judgment to come. The judgment for the people that have sinned against Him, judgment is that we will all suffer the eternal death. God is love because He paid for that. That's what, what, that's what it means when God is love. When you're trying to find out what the real meaning of love is, it's sacrificial. There you go. There's an amen from a baby. Out of the mouth of the babe. <laughs> right? You see this? Let me, let me read it. Because I know Dustin, I think, read it earlier. Or, yeah, beloved, let's love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent His only Son into the world so that we may live through Him. In this love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now you bring this to your marriage. Married people, you, re you read this to each other for tomorrow, for Valentine's Day. You can have your own vows tomorrow. But also read this to each other. To your families that mean a lot to you, to the people that you are in a relationship with, recite this to them. Let's recite this to one another. Because this is how we really need to love each other. 
This is how we need to love each other. He says there, Beloved, if God so loved us, and us Christians, because of His love we are saved, right? We also ought to love one another. You bring this to the church. You bring this to the koinonia. You bring this to your relationships. Then you will have, you will no longer be lonely. Now, we have certain expectations that nev is never met. There is no perfect church as much as there is no perfect marriage. Because there's no perfect marriage because there's no perfect people. There's no perfect church because there's no perfect people. Right? We have a perfect God who told us to love one another. So loving imperfect people means we have to be forgiving. Now last on the songs. Uh, <laughs> do you guys uh, uh, know of... Um, this, this just happened today because Anna Lou said, this is her song for me. Uh -huh. She goes, what's this? <laughs> he said, this is your song for me. <laughs> now, let me read the, 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 the lyrics. I have climbed. Oh, this is you too. I'll just give you the, the you too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> so imagine that's her song for me. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. The lyrics, we agreed on the lyrics. It says here, I have climbed highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled the city walls, these city walls only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I have kissed honey lips, felt the healing in her fingertips. It burned like fire. This burning desire I've spoke with tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. It was cold as a stone. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. He's talking about God now. If you guys, didn't, if you guys missed it. He says, you broke the bonds and you lose the chains Carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, Bono told Rolling Stone in his interview about this song, that uh, this is an anthem of doubt more than faith, He's, uh, he told Joshua Rotman, the, the, the writer of The New Yorker. This song is a celebration of one thing. This song echoes Solomon's writing. Right? He's chasing after the wind. Right? Remember in Ecclesiastes? Solomon married, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And he still haven't found what he's looking for. He had many great accomplishments. Accomplishments that no one in his time up to now can match. He knew about plants, he knew about animals, he knew about, he had great wisdom, but yet he said, but I'm still haven't found what I'm looking for. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Did you know that, you know that there are counterfeits out there, right? Right? There are counterfeit money, clothing, shoes, correct? And did you also know that counterfeits are only made of things that are that have great value? That's why there's fake Louis Vuittons, 
because Louis Vuittons, the real ones, are very expensive. That's why they're fake gold, because real gold is really expensive. That's why there's fake Ray-Bans. <laughs> no, but they, they only make counterfeits of things that are of, are, are of value. But did you know that the world has made a counterfeit of love? The world has made a counterfeit of love. The world has constantly lied to us and made us think that love is about marrying the right person. That love is about having a profitable business. That love is having a successful career. That love is about having a happy family. But it's not really. Love is God. And if you understand who God is and fall in love on who He really is, then God will be the one to show you how to love. And then you will be fit to marry someone. And then you will change to be the husband or the wife that God has intended you to be in your marriage. That you will become the father and the mother of the children that God has blessed you with. Once you understand that God is love and accept that the love that you know must be removed in order for you to accept what the love that God has intended for you to understand and to give. Amen? Amen. We don't make counterfeits of cheap things. There's no fake KP shoes in the Philippines because KP is already cheap. There's a lot of fake Nike shoes. There's no fake... Uh, are, they? Are, are there fake Skechers? I don't think so. But there are fake Jordans. Children, family, beloved... Please understand that the world has manufactured a lot of counterfeit love out there. But the real love is Him and Him alone. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you for your patience. Lord, we know that you said in 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. Lord, we know that there is no, there is no one and there is no other relationship that can match the love that you have for us. Only you, Lord God, and your love is genuine. It's something that we can truly hold on to. Something that we really can count on, even when we don't feel like we are lovable. Because your love surpasses all things. Father, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you that you drew us to you. We thank you for the love that you've given to us. And now we ask, Father, that the love that you have given to us will overflow through us towards one another, to our families, to our wives, to our husbands, to our children, to our, to our friends, to our church family, Lord God, and to the people, the complete strangers that you will bring along our way. Help us, Lord God, to overflow with your love. We know that we cannot contain it if we truly understand your love. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we failed you. And help us now, Lord God, to live for you. All these things we ask in your sweet and mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. Let's all rise for the closing hymn.
or a closing song. And if you have any uh, decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord, please come up so we can lead you to that prayer. If you have a prayer request, please come up so we can pray for you. Or if you want to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is 